Hey y'all, this is Sam. And this is Steven. And this is Crimology. This is episode 36. And everyone will be proud to know, as Steven just said before we started, that this episode is not from TikTok. I did not find this episode from TikTok. So probably the first one this season. Um, I'm just going to jump right into it because we've got four pages. A lot of things are exciting for Steven. First off, that this wasn't from TikTok and that this is about four or five pages worth of notes. Um, so pretty exciting episode. Normally whenever there's like, you know, you can kind of tell based on how long the episode is. If it's like 15, 20 minutes, it's only about three pages. But when we get four or five pages, that's when you start getting the 30 minute episodes. Right. And so... So when I walk in with four pages, he's like, ooh. It's like, this must be a good one. And so this is a four-page episode. This uh, We're talking about Ed Kemper. And so I start every week about talking about where I did come fr- across this case. And I'm not sure exactly where I came across this case. I just, when I think of the word serial killer, Ed is always the first person to come to mind. And I guess it's just because, like, I've seen so many interviews that he's done, and he's just so, like, nonchalant. Like, he's so, like, yep, this is what I did. And I think it's, like, his voice. He's just kind of so, I don't want to say monotoned, but kind of monotoned. And he's just, like, yep. And so, like, he answers your question directly. Like, you're, like, why did you do it? And he's got the answer, and it's not this beating around the bush answer. And so it's, like kind of low-key scary that people like him are out in the world just like living life so I guess that's why his story always comes to mind when I think of serial killer so now let's get jumped into his story so Ed Kemper he is also nicknamed the co-ed killer because most of his victims were college female students he is remembered for his height of six foot nine inches goodness gracious a giant man and is also known for having a ridiculous IQ of 145. Now me, having the IQ of like 23, I didn't know what the average IQ was. Google says the average IQ is between 85 and 115. Because um, I was like, if all, all of these articles are saying this is ridiculous IQ, I'm going to believe them. But I like didn't know how ridiculous the IQ was. And so now... Thanks to Google. I understand how ridiculous this IQ is. Sam, listen, don't sell yourself short. You're at least a 32. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) At least. So Ed murdered 10 people total, including his grandfather, his grandmother, his mother, and his mother's best friend. So let's start on August 27th, 1964. Ed is 15 years old at this time and living with his grandparents. On this day, Ed gets in an argument with his grandmother while his grandfather is at the store. Ed leaves the home and goes to the truck outside to get his rifle his grandfather bought for him. Now, just kind of a side note, the gun was taken away from Ed as punishment because he was shooting too many animals with it. So, I know, right off the bat you're getting punished from your gun because you're killing too many things. So when his grandmother realized what she, what he was doing, she yells at him to put the gun back and to not shoot anything with it. Ed comes back into the house and shoots his grandmother in the head twice, 
and sorry, shoots her one and once in the head and twice in the back, killing her. Some articles I read even mentioned that there were multiple stab wounds done with a kitchen knife after she had passed, but some articles said that, some articles didn't, so I don't know how the true that is. When Ed's grandfather pulled into the driveway, Ed grabbed the gun and met him outside and shot him and killed him also. After the shooting, Ed didn't know what to do, so he called his mother, who then told him to call the police. So Ed did, told them what happened, and then basically sat at the house and waited for police. Okay, that's pretty crazy in itself already, because he's just like, hey mom, this happened. And then she says, okay, call the police. He's like, okay, I'll wait here. Okay, I'll wait here. I'll call the police and then proceed to tell them what I did. Right. And then I'm just going to wait right here. Right. So when he is arrested, he said that, he said, quote, I just wanted to see what it felt like to kill grandma. And that was his reasoning. So I think, and like, that's who he is as a person. If you've never seen interviews with him, this is the first thing he's ever said to police is, I just wanted to feel see what it felt like to kill grandma. So, like, that's all of his interviews, which just wilds that people are out there. Just like, I just wanted to see what it felt like. He also said that he killed his grandfather just so he wouldn't have to walk in on his wife and get mad at him. So, I was like, okay. Huh. Right. Okay, like, good then. reason. At this time, Ed is diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia by the court psycho- psychologists and was sentenced to a state hospital as a criminally insane juvenile. During his time at this hospital, the psychiatrist and social workers there disagreed with the court about this diagnosis. They observed Ed to be very smart and having no evidence of any bizarre thinking. So this is when the IQ test was done. So he's now between around 15 years old, when he took hit the IQ test, his first one wasn't as high as his second one. So they kept his second score. And so that's 15 and he's getting this high of an IQ test. Crazy. So the hospital re-diagnosed him with a less severe condition of a personality trait disturbance. Yeah, because at this point, I mean, if your IQ is truly that high, I mean, I don't, I don't know. It's weird to me that, you know, they diagnosed him with this, but like, you almost have to know what you're doing. Oh yeah. If if your IQ is that high, now I could be completely wrong here because I know absolutely zero everything about murder, about any medical or anything right. like that. That's not my area of specialty. So, but. My uh, that's my thoughts at least. Who knows? Ed was a model prisoner. He was trained to administer psycho psycho wow psychiatric tests on other inmates, and Ed later said during this doing this work helped him learn how to manipulate his psychiatrists, and said he learned a lot from the sex offenders he had to test about how not to get caught. Okay, so. Obviously, this is back in the 60s. And apparently in the 60s, they did a whole lot of different stuff than what we would probably do today, right? What What are you talking about? Him doing other tests on his I fellow mean, prisoners, right? I also have never been to prison, so I don't know all of that. Um, but I've heard, I mean, 
again from movies but i've heard prisoners get jobs within it but i don't know if this would be to the extent of something that a prisoner would get as a job true but i mean that's just wild to me of like oh hey you're gonna be test you know the person that killed two people you you're get to going test to everybody be, yeah yeah you're going to be doing the psychiatric tests on people right that's pretty wild to me so december 18th 1969 on ed's 21st birthday he is released from the facility on parole and he goes to live with his mother november 29th 1972 ed has convinced his psychiatrist that he has rehabilitated and got his whole juvenile record permanently erased wow i know that's that we could stop right there and this whole story would just be wild i so i write this i write these cases probably a couple weeks before we actually do them and so i'll go back and read through my notes and even when i got to this point i like shook my head because i was still like wow like even after knowing it and doing the research you're still just like that's wild yeah that's pretty crazy that that he convinced them to completely erase his record He went on to a community college where he hoped to become a police officer, but was denied due to his size, but kept friendships with the local Santa Cruz police officers and hung out with them often at a local bar. Ed also moved out of his mother's home and ended up buying himself a new car. So to parole officers, he looks like he's changed and that he's becoming a productive member of society. But this is when his killing streak actually starts. With this new car that Ed has, he now has become aware of the large number of young women who were hitchhiking, and he starts storing plastic bags, knives, blankets, and handcuffs in his car. He then starts picking up hitchhikers and dropping them off peacefully. Ed said he picked up around 150 people before he felt the urge to start killing and began to act on it. Between May 1972 and April 1973, Ed killed eight people. Out of those eight, five were college students, one was a high school student, one was his mother, and one was his mother's best friend. So, I know we'll probably get into this, but my obvious questions before we go into this of like, was he, like, is he clearly going to be the prime suspect for no his mom well okay yes for his mom okay um but we'll go into that one perfect i'm Um, I'm just setting that up for you right you're welcome when ed killed these people he did horrible unimaginable things to their bodies he would murder these women then take their bodies back to his house where he would decapitate them dismember them and violate them sexually The things he was doing was just disgusting to these people. So now we get to the day of his mother's murder. Ed and his mother fought all the time. They were both verbally abusive to one another and said such hateful things to each other. Uh, It never, before, before this, it never turned physical. It was just all verbal. On April 20th, 1973, Ed's mother comes home from a party and falls asleep. This is when Ed goes into her room 
and using a claw hammer and a pin knife, killed his mother. He then decapitated her, used her head as a dartboard. Okay, hold on. Whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa. I mean, that that's not even the word. He says for the next couple of hours, he does nothing but yell at the body and continues to throw darts at her face. He then proceeds to cut out her tongue and her vocal cords and tries to put them down a garbage disposal. He said that the vocal cords wouldn't destroy in the garbage disposal. And in an interview that I have seen, he kind of chuckled at the irony of the fact as he said, my mom did nothing but talk while she was alive. So it's just, he said the irony of the fact that her vocal cords wouldn't destroy in the garbage disposal. He was like, of course they wouldn't because my mom did nothing but talk her whole life. So again, going back to the interviews, this man is creepy. Goodness gracious. Number one, once again, we could stop right here and this would still be the weirdest case we've ever covered. <laughs> right. I'm just like, I mean, we're, we're so far into this right now. And of course, there's just more weird stuff, isn't there? <laughs> he then hides his mother's body and goes to a nearby bar for some drinks. He then decides to invite his mother's best friend over for dinner. And when she arrives, he strangles her to death. So that way he could cover his, this could be his cover story, is that they both went on a trip together. After killing this woman, Ed drove a thousand miles away. He then starts scanning police radio and watching TV, thinking by that, by this point, there would be a manhunt looking for him. When there wasn't, he calls police from a payphone and tells them what he did. But at this point, they don't believe him. And they tell to tell him to call back. So he waits a couple of hours. And then he calls back and he asks to speak with a cop friend of his per- who he knows personally. And he tells him everything. And then he waits there again for police to come pick him up. Once again, I'm sounding like a broken record. You can stop here. Because <laughs> what kind of dude just murders all these people and, just, and then calls the cops and go oh hey i did all this and i'll just wait here for you and i'll just wait here right and so i think this is another reason why i think of ed when i think of the serial killers because you always find like serial killers are um i say they're always the ones who are so much involved in the case meaning that they are the ones organizing the search for missing people they're the ones that are putting in hours upon hours helping the missing or the murdered family look for the people so this is ed is ed is becoming friends with these police officers and he's meeting them in this bar and he's getting them a little drunk so that way they're telling him hey we don't have any leads we're not even sure where to begin and so he's like okay i'm good i'm good or he can steer them in a different direction if they're, you know, getting on to something. And he could be like, well, you know, I think I would look here. So I think this is another reason I think of Ed when I think of a serial killer. First off, because of his height. And so that's always going to be the first thing I think of. Then his IQ and the fact he's so blunt and honest about everything. But also that he's so smart and becoming friends with police officers. So that way they give him all of the details he needs. 
and and really i think truly out of you know with this being episode 36 i think he's earned the title for at least on our podcast of the master manipulator right it's it's amazing what he was able to get away with and really they probably wouldn't even have i mean they might have gotten a small lead with if they would have found his mom and his mom's best friend that might have been like a, oh well that would hey. yeah i mean and that's ultimately the the but, but all the other ones i mean because he's big ed that's literally he's big ed at the bar big ed's not doing anything to anybody because he's the what is the phrase the t- big teddy bear he, and so he's big ed he's not hurting a fly so they're like, yeah, we're not even thinking that Big Ed is the one to do any of this. So, oh, yeah. Wow. So Ed was indicted on eight counts of first degree murder on May 7th, 1973. While he's in custody, Ed tries to commit suicide twice. His counsel tried to get him to plead not guilty by reason of insanity. and But... Three court psychologists found Ed legally sane. When Ed took the stand during trial, he said that there were two personalities in his body. And when the killer personality took over, it was like he blacked out, obviously just trying to push for the insanity plea. November 8, 1973, the six-man and six-woman jury found Ed sane and guilty on all counts. Ed asked for the death penalty, but instead received seven years to life for each count. Ed is still marked as a model prisoner. He was in charge of scheduling inmates to see psychiatrists. He was. He also started narrating books for the blind. He has spent over 5,000 hours and has completed several hundred recordings. And like I said at the beginning... Ed has been part of several interviews for various things. And in one interview, he even addressed people who might have this itch to kill like he did. He tells these people straight up to get some help. He said not only is acting on that itch a crime, but it's also a horrible thing. And once you start, it's almost impossible to stop. Ed has been denied parole many times and has even waived his right to a hearing a couple of times. His next time to apply for parole is in 2024. Well, we're still at least a couple years away from that, so... Right. For him to get denied again or to waiver it again. Wow. That was a doozy. Yep. That was... Bravo, Sam. Good I like bringing cases that, like, I've known about for years... Um, I've literally never heard of this And you've never heard of them. Yep. I want to say even, and this is probably going to describe me and my mom, but I feel like this is the guy that I talk to most about my mom or with my mom is like, I'm like, can we talk about Ed Camper for a second? (laughs) And so like me and mom have talked about him, but he's also like, oh gosh, I wish this Netflix series came to mind, but there's a Netflix series recently that kind of throws in different serial killers here and there. And Ed Kemper was one of them. And so, I don't know. Not that I want to say that Ed Kemper is all around a great serial killer. But he's just always, everybody's like, Ted Bundy, Ted Bundy. And I'm like, Ed Kemper, Ed Kemper. Um, 
because ju- he's just it's crazy that people like him are alive and that they're out there yeah and it's crazy how well he could probably function in society uh i mean he right he got them to believe him and got his juvenile records completely erased so yeah he's doing pretty good at life so i also that kind of brings up a point um i wonder if that ever got brought up in his in this and after he killed all these people i wonder if that actually got brought up in trial i'm guessing not because it was erased erased so i don't think you can wow 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 i know but uh, such a good episode for 36 (laughs) so we're gonna take a little break and then we'll come back with our crime of the week back with steven's corner um and this is our segment where we just talk about a random crime of the week of of the week wow words are hard here you go steven okay thanks great introduction sam all right so i'm gonna ask you a question great okay if you were to um counterfeit something Mm. right and be able to sell it for money obviously what would you pick? My mind goes to like, um, oh, what's the celebrities autographs? Okay, okay. So this one comes to us from the good old FBI, um, and this is out of Virginia Beach. Um, sh- there's a woman that is sentenced uh, to prison for 31.8 million dollars in coupon fraud whoa 30 basically 32 million dollars um so basically i've never heard of this before but it's called the coupon information corporation never heard of that before i feel like i should be a member but apparently that's a thing um they called the postal inspector uh jason thomason with a tip about a Virginia Beach resident who they believed was making and mailing counterfeit coupons. Um, the center didn't yet have a sense of the fraud scale, um, but so this just gets more wild. Um, a few months later, the CSC um, and an association of manufacturers that tracked, you know, tracks the coupons fraud called back and said that they had linked over $125,000 in subs- in fakes to the suspected counterfeiter. Um, at that point, Thomason started asking around the uh, Norfolk FBI office um, where he works as a task force officer. Um, so, and last month, this was uh, actually just put out just a few days ago, um, the counterfeit coupon maker was sentenced more than 12 years in prison in order to pay 31.8 million dollars in restitution to the retailers and the manufacturers who suffered losses from her scheme um brill and thomason said that uh the loss number is likely a conservative estimate 
So I guess this also kind of just answer our question a little bit of you asked if people nowadays still, I mean, we obviously can't tell what job she has, but the fact that she's sentenced to pay them back that amount. So that per- that shows that our, your question earlier about are we still giving people jobs in prison? I mean, this is evidence that we are. Maybe she's not giving psychiatric tests, (laughs) but she's definitely doing something in prison to earn some money. So, and basically, um, what goes on to say, she had coupons for $24.99 off a $25 box of diapers, and it would work. Wow. That would be very interesting. Um, Her name is all... Uh, I can find it here. Her name was Lori Ann Talents, and she was 41. She said, and it also says, and her group of criminal couponers were able to steal. Um, her husband was also uh, convicted in this, and he was sentenced to 87 months in prison. So, this is one that. Um, Watch where you get your coupons from. Yeah, and yeah, and exactly. That's what this article goes on to say of like. Um, she said over three years, Talons was paid about $400,000 by her subscribers. So basically it was a, she, like you paid for these coupons type of thing, which is just like a blog kind of thing. Yeah. Kind of wild to me, but like it goes on later to say like, obviously if you're paying for coupons or something like that, be a little bit wary of they might end up being fake also how much are you paying for coupons is it worth it if you're paying for coupons i mean if you're getting a 25 dollars box of diapers for a penny that I would guess. be worth it wow. but yeah i just i saw that 32 million dollars is that yeah basically said? 32 and that's a conservative estimate Golly. wow that's crazy wow. but yeah steven's corner crime of the week <laughs> There you go. I'll just work it all in there for you. All right. So, yeah. And that is episode 36. So, back with a four-pager. Um, and so, super excited. I mean, not super excited to talk about serial killers, but... Don't lie, you are. Um, he's just always the one that I think of, and so he's been on my list for a while. And so, I was like, now it's time to bring him out. Um, but, yeah. Thank you guys for listening. Um, like always, if you're listening on Apple, go ahead and give us five stars. If you have any crime suggestions, you can email us at crimologypod at gmail.com. Make sure to follow us on all of our social medias at crimologypod. Um, leave us a review on Apple while you're also giving us five stars. Um, and do all the things. Like always, this is Sam. This is Steven. And this is Crimology. Crimology.